Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Today, we're so blessed that you're joining us. Gary McCormick was the vice president of a mortgage bank and was helping some house flippers to and builders as well, to obtain better mortgage rates for their businesses. And this allowed them to obtain larger loans, flip more houses at one time, and be more profitable. Since he was so successful, they showed them their showed him their appreciation by starting to take him to lunches and all that, just to tell him, thank you for all your help. And then Gary started thinking about perhaps entering the business himself. He seen the money that they were making. He knew the inside game of obtaining the loans and all that. He knew these other players would help him out, you know, sub out the work and all that. Well, long story short, that's what he did. Praise God. All was well. Doing great. Does anyone remember the housing crash, though, 2008, 2009? Well, Gary, along with most of the independent contractors at that time, ended up declaring bankruptcy and having to start all over. But start over he did. But Gary didn't just go right back at the same process. Now he's carved himself out a niche where he helps individuals to build their own homes, doing the work themselves, and basically they're their own contractor. This saves them huge money as compared to the normal way of doing things. And to share more on this and how it's done and how he could do it for you, help me welcome to the program, Gary McCormick. Gary, thank you for taking the time to come on the program today, brother. I do appreciate it. Hey, Bob, it's great to be with you. It's really awesome. Appreciate you. This is a big topic right now. I mean, interest rates are super high compared to just a few years ago. And I know people would love to save money in this area, if at all possible. But before we get started in that discussion, can you tell us a, you know, a little bit about you? You know, Other than that brief information I just shared, tell us in your own words, who is Gary McCormick? Sure, Bob. Well, I'm from Buffalo, New York. <clears throat> I went to college there. I have a business degree. and uh, But after I got out of college, there weren't many jobs in Buffalo, and uh, I decided to move to Atlanta, Georgia. So I've been in Atlanta now since 92. And uh, when I came here, I first sold security systems, then I managed a security system company. And then uh, I had my own security system company, and that was my first entrepreneurial foray. And uh, after a year of doing that, I had gone from making 120 grand working for somebody else to 35 grand my first year being self-employed. And I decided at 25 years old that I'd gotten too big for my britches and made a mistake. So I backed up the truck and uh, there was a bank that was open in a mortgage banking division here in Atlanta. And they were looking for nine people that had no experience, zero. Uh, but I did have a business degree and a financing minor. So they thought that was good. So uh Within a year, uh, I was VP of that bank division with 18 loan officers and three processors. And uh, what really blessed me with that was I had an almost photographic memory, and I was very good at math. I was I went to college for math in middle school. I was bust. So I like to say I was an idiot savant, more idiot than savant. 
but I was very good at math, uh, you know, geometry, trigonometry, all that. And I was very good with the uh, charts. And so I ran the other 18 loan officers and the three processors. Uh, during that time, I started to date my head processor, which is not what I would normally recommend to other people. <laughs> uh, but I was in love with Renee. And uh, like you said, I, I got some uh, remodelers and builders and house flippers that they, <clears throat> you know, they weren't showing enough income on their taxes. They were showing 50 grand, but they were really making 100 or 200 grand and they were hiding the money from the government, but it kept them from being able to get good loans. And so I gave them in some some instruction, helped them with their credit. And in addition to getting them good loans, it opened up the door to get them lines of credit for a million dollars from local community banks so that instead of flipping one house at a time, they could flip three or five yeah. instead of building one house at a time, they could build three or five. And I, I said to them, you know, you build one house or remodel one house and something goes wrong, you're in deep trouble. But if you do three or five at a time, then they hedge themselves out. You know, you have some good, some bad, and uh, they made a lot more money. And as a result, like you said, they, they really, I became their favorite person just about took me to lunches, loved on me. And uh, they kept saying, man, you'd make so much more money. You're really gifted to do this kind of thing. And you have the finance and the business background that we don't have. We're just project managers. We'll give you our subs. If you get in trouble, we'll come save your bacon. We really want to help you do this. And I was getting it in stereo from a couple of gals and three different guys, all different things they did in construction. And so I went to my fiance at the time, my head processor, Renee, and she had a lot of faith in me and we were believers and we felt like God was showing us an open door. And um, I was a little over being on the phone and at the desk. I'd been doing that for quite a few years, selling and managing and I was a very physical guy and I just really wanted to get out there. And so she, she blessed it. I quit my job. I married her. That was 25 years ago. And in the process of flipping houses, every time we would flip a house, we'd get 10 or 15 construction jobs in that neighborhood. And the next thing you know, we weren't house flippers. We were contractors. And in 2002, about four or five years in, I built my first house. It was for a friend from church, about 7,000 square feet. And uh, he and I ended up developing eight lots together on the eight acres behind my house. And so four years later, I was suddenly a builder of new homes, custom builder and a developer. I didn't have any plans, any of that, brother. You know how the Lord works. I had no plans. <laughs> I thought I was going to be in finance and selling and managing forever. And just out of nowhere came this thing to do. I didn't know it was a calling. I had no clue. And it just hit me like a truck. And um you know, thank God that by faith I was willing to take a risk or yeah, I'd still amen. be doing what I was. I, I love yeah. this. So yeah, I'm thankful from, from behind the desk to doing all the work on one home, hoping that you can sell it for a profit, but ended up in the high end market. I mean, praise God. Amen. How did, yeah, amen. What was that time frame again from when you quit your job to when yep. you're doing high end market? So, um, I, I worked in the mortgage business for about two years still in the late 90s while I was flipping houses. Mm -hmm. I left that VP job, but I went to another job where I was kind of a mercenary. It was a mortgage brokerage where they knew that I could close 10 or 20 loans a month. Mm -hmm. And instead of making me management, I wanted to be flipping houses. So I got them to let me just, you know, uh, write mortgages through them. And they gave me 90% mm -hmm. of the money because I was zero hassle. I was, you know, a good guy. And so that was great. I made great money while I was flipping houses. And then it was about two years in, I got my first remodel. Uh, it was about 
a $350,000 remodel. It turned into about 500 grand and took a year. And um, I couldn't believe that the people hired me over five other builders with 30 years experience, but they, uh, they saw my work on my flips and they liked the quality of the work and uh, they weren't really sure what they wanted to do. Their plans weren't fully done. And so they needed someone to take the job that was willing to kind of go as you went along. And the guys that have been doing it 30 years were like, Hey, when everything's ready to go, we'll give you a price. And, and we don't want to see you for a year. And I was like, no, it's fine. We can kind of do it as an organic thing and work through it as we go. And some of that was just that I didn't have the experience to know even exactly what I was doing. And they knew that, but they saw that the work was good. They saw I was getting the stuff done that I wasn't afraid. And then I had a lot of energy and that I was on the site all the time. I was hands-on. And uh, so I did that for a couple of two or three years. And then I guess 2002, I would have been about four years in and that eight acres was behind my house. And for two years, I had walked on this uh, logging trail behind my house and I would hear this quiet voice of God telling me that he wanted me to develop that land and build houses on it. But I hadn't done that at that time. I was in my second, third, fourth year of flipping houses and doing remodels for other people. And um, all of a sudden, one day I got a knock on my door and opened it. And it was the guy that owned the eight acres in the cabin behind my house. Oh. And he said, you know, I'm a Catholic and I don't really pray a ton, but I prayed this morning about selling this land. And God, I heard a voice tell me I'd never heard a voice before. I heard a voice remind me that you lived in front of my land and you were a Christian builder. And then if I sold you the land, you would build one acre lots. You wouldn't rezone it. And that wow. the neighbors would feel touched. And um, and so he showed up at my door and offered to sell me that land for about 50 grand an acre. So I, I gave him a verbal that, you know, hey, man, for two years, God's been telling me to develop this land. But I didn't even know who you were. And the <laughs> dude just wept. You know, he just wept. So then I got on the phone with uh, Todd Wyatt. He was a fellow I went to church with and he was an agent. And I said, hey, Todd, if you'll help me do this development thing. And then when I sell the houses, you can sell the houses for me, you know, but I need some help on the front end. And Hey, there's a new guy at church named Dave. He just started our church. You've probably not met him. And he's looking for a land with a barn or an old house. He wants to build a house on that land and convert that into an office. He owned the third largest camera sales site on the internet in the U S at the time. It was called imagingresources.com, And they got about a million hits a month. And he was looking for a barn or a house that he and his wife and his two high school age sons could run this camera business out of, you know, set up mm-hmm. to take photo shoots and they would test cameras and do reviews. And so within an hour, he had this guy at my house walking the eight acres. <laughs> and an hour later, I had a development partner to do an LLC with. And he agreed to put up the money if I would split the land into eight lots. And, uh, and Living Water Development was born. And we developed those eight lots and I renovated the house that was there, the cabin for his business. And he was my first home build on one of the other lots, 7,000 square feet with the finished basement, $750,000 build, my first new home. And it was easier than a $200,000 remodel, Bob. And that was it. I had those lots. I had a house. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And then the housing crash came the 10 and oh, 2007, yeah, 2008. And as, as we were talking before the recording, I can relate because my son-in-law and daughter, 
they followed almost the same exact path you did. Started small, then started fixing up a house, and then ended up in the you know luxury home. Matter of fact, they were featured in one of those luxury home magazines as custom builders and stuff at one point. Oh man, and, cool! Uh, so I remember him breaking down though in my kitchen, crying as we were praying for him because it was a tough time when when it, when the bottom fell out. I mean, it fell, and you know, praise God, he took a different direction and God worked it all out. But, that was a tough time Amen. for a lot of builders and mortgage bankers, but yeah, but sure how was. did that force you to start over? Right. So, man, you you nailed it. So, um, it was September, late September, when long term capital failed, and so October, November, I lost three two million dollar builds. At that time, I was building really seven hundred thousand to two million. And um, I had three clients that had bought land. I had drawn their homes and um, we were ready to start in the spring. We were waiting for, you know, February, March to start because it was late in the year. And uh, we just had to finalize some things. And I was uh, prepping the land and doing some stuff with that for the site development. And uh, they called me in October, November. And so I lost $6 million, three $2 million builds in October, November. Went to my wife, Renee, that I was just talking about and said, man, baby, we have nothing for next year. And, um, you know, but we always kept a wholesale list. There were wholesalers from when I flipped houses at that time, Bob, I hadn't flipped the house probably in three or four years, but those wholesalers always faxed me their list every couple of weeks with a hundred, 200 houses. And my wife would yell at me and say, man, you're going through like a Rima paper a month. Cause it was an old timey fax. If you can imagine <laughs> there's my age, you know, I'm dated now, but it would, uh, it would just have like, you know, hundred, hundred, 200 houses on all these sheets. But it would let me see where the market was down in Atlanta in the neighborhoods that you could flip. And so at the end of the year, when this started happening, I had about 100000 in cash and I had a line of credit that still had 100000 on it. And by maybe January, February of, of 08, those houses were down from 150 or 200 grand as a beater. I was buying them for 30 or 40 grand cash, putting about 50 grand into them. And selling them for about 150. But then the problem was the appraisal rule changed. After six months of negative uh, depreciation, values going down, they trigger this appraisal rule where you had to get three comps, but also three comps under duress. And then you also had to get three listings and three listings under duress, which meant they had to be in bankruptcy, foreclosure, you know, something like that in a state sale. And so as soon as they did that, I went to my wife and said, the values of these houses is going to go down 10 or 20% in the next year, because as soon as that 5% drop triggered that appraisal rule that they had put in place back in the early mid eighties and the savings and loan debacle, they did that so that the banks wouldn't have to rewrite all their loan programs. So instead of changing the loan to value from 90 or 95 or 80 down to 60 or 70, they would hammer the appraisals and push the appraisals forward down into the market so that the banks could be protected by the appraisal, not by changing their program. Because in the savings and loan debacle, they changed the programs and it was a real mess. Well, anyways, um, so what we had to do is we had to actually rent them Section 8 and then sell them to foreign investors based on 10 times their cap rate. So uh, if a house was $1,500 a month rent, I could sell it for about 150 grand cash. And we were doing that until about mid-08. And then what happened was a bank that I was working with that did all of the rehabs down in Atlanta in the same area, area of the, the neighborhoods in Atlanta, they found me and made me some offers to work together. And they liked me a lot and they hired me 
So I flipped about 50 to 70 homes a year for that bank in 08 and 09 in the worst neighborhoods of Atlanta. I had five crews. We all carried nine millimeters. I mean, it was like Fort Apache, the Bronx down in Atlanta. Wow. And for two years, we did that. And it kept me afloat until the end of 09. But then at the end of 09, we finally had to bankrupt. Uh, we bankrupted for about four mil. But it gave me time, Bob. What was really cool for me personally was that gave me time in those two years to pay off all of the people that I knew individually that I owed money. Amen. All of my subs had already been paid. All of my suppliers were paid. When I bankrupted from $4 million, the only people that were left were the banks that carried the notes on the land and the lots and the houses. And, you know, I knew that I would be 30 years trying to pay off that $4 million in that market. And so, of course, we chose to bankrupt. But it meant a lot to me to try and pay all the people off that were small businesses or that I knew personally. And we finally also had three houses that were um, investment houses, and they were on lease purchase agreements. And I needed that time for them to be able to fix their taxes and take over the houses. And all three were able to take over the houses from me. Otherwise, we would have lost the houses and they would have been, you know, got the shaft. Yeah. So, amen. Amen. So once you went through the the housing crisis, how did you start over? Because yep. you didn't have much in the way of assets. Right. Everything was done, right? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, when you file Chapter 7, we had to have less than $5,000 in the bank. And our vehicles, our cars or trucks couldn't be worth more than five grand or they would take them. So we had sold our $30,000, $40,000 vehicles and went and bought used cars for four or five grand. And you kind of prepare for it right before you go to the lawyer and pull the trigger. And so, yeah, we were pretty basic. Um, well, at that point, the market was starting to turn back on. Early 2010, things were turning back on in the remodel market. A lot of houses were out there that needed work, that were dilapidated, and people were trying to sell them finally. So that's when we created Affordable Craftsman. That's the marketing name that we've used ever since. Before that, I was Good Samaritan Properties, McCormick Build Group, Living Water Development. We had all kinds of different companies for different things. Um, my license, my building license was under McCormick Build Group, but we needed a marketing creation and nobody cared about those other names. They weren't going to help me in marketing at all. And so I prayed about it and God gave me a, a vision with a picture of what the card should look like and the logo and the name Affordable Craftsman. And so we created a logo and did all that and created a website in WordPress. Um, I was pretty good on the internet for my age and uh, I took some classes on WordPress and that was the beginning of me probably in the last, since 2010, I've probably built at least 50, if not a hundred websites for construction for myself to generate leads and all kinds of other marketing stuff. And so I would work at night on that to learn marketing. By 2013, I was generating between three and 500 leads a month from videos on YouTube, from websites that I had built wow. and ranked and done SEO on. And so we had, I actually was a net seller of leads at one point in 13, 14 and 15, I, I sold three to 500 leads a month for money. Wow. And I actually made more money generating leads and selling leads than I made in construction those years. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Gary McCormick. Now, oh man, I mean, if you learned anything from this, you need to know that you can do what Gary's been talking about. I mean, he started out in business, became a successful mortgage banker and all that, and helped so many contractors and business owners become successful by buying depressed homes, fixing them up, and flipping them. They started taking him to lunch all the time just to thank him for it. But then they started sharing how he 
could supplement his income by doing the same thing. Soon he found he could make more doing that than in his nine to five job. And as you heard, you know, unfortunately, the 2007 2008 housing bubble burst and he was left with nothing. But fast forward though, now he's helping people just like you to become their own contractors and do their own home building, remodeling process, and all of that, and saving tons of cash in the process. He knows these systems inside and out, just like you heard. He's sharing this information with everyday folks just like you and I, so we can save thousands of dollars in building or remodeling our own homes. Amen. That's good news in an economy like we're having right now, isn't it? Just drop down the show notes, reach out to Gary, find out if he's able to help you save big on your remodel or building project. What's the worst that can happen? You find out he can't help you via geographic location or whatever, but he can still provide you with some information. Amen. And be sure to come back for part two of this great interview and our conclusion with our discussion with Gary McCormick in the very next episode. Till then, it's Pastor Bob Ryan. Be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.